0: Hello and welcome to Account Instruction Help and How To. In this lecture we're going to talk about the job cost system. At the end of this we will be able to describe what a job cost system is and when it would be used. List accounts related to inventory in a job cost system. Explain what a job report is and why it is needed within the job cost system and journalize transactions related to inventory in the job cost system. So what is a job cost system? If we are a manufacturing company and we have obviously inventory, we're producing the inventory, we're making the inventory, then we may use one of two systems most likely. One being a process cost system, the other being a job cost system. So note, this is different than the other type of industry that would have inventory, that being just a a, uh, merchandising company. So if we think of someone like Amazon that buys goods and then sells goods, although they make some, they make like movies now sometimes, but mainly buying goods and selling goods, then they're just going to purchase, mark up the goods, and then sell. On the other hand, we're talking about a company like Ford Motor Company or something like that that's going to buy the raw materials, make the raw materials into the finished good, being uh, the car, and then sell the finished goods. Then we're going to have to track for that process of producing the car. Now, the two methods, once again, job cost method and the process cost. When are we going to use one or the other? Generally the rules are going to be something like this. If there's going to be a system where the inventory is all the same in nature, it's homogeneous in nature, it's all the same, usually it's going to be less in cost, it's going to be cheaper, and the process is going to be very standardized, completely the same, then we're usually going to use the process cost system, tracking the allocation of the uh, assets of the inventory through a process cost system by process. And we're going to be applying it. The components of inventory, those components will always be, whenever we think of inventory, we want to think that there's going to be direct materials, which is what we usually think of. But then there's going to also be direct labor in the inventory. So anything we look at, any product that we look at, we want to say, oh yeah, there's raw materials. There's there's also direct labor in there. And there's also factory overhead in there, which is all the other stuff that went in there. The small parts, the little pieces, the glue that's going to be in there, the labor... Uh, in terms of the supervisor labor, the factory overhead, the costs in the factory in terms of utility and the maintenance in the factory where we produced these things. Those are all things that are in that ending inventory in some way or another. They were necessary for the production and therefore they need to be in the cost of that inventory in one way or another process cost system will be things like oil refinery i often think of like taffy or something like that where we're basically making things that are all completely the same the end product is going to be the refined oil or the end taffy and we're putting in the same ingredients and the whole process is going to be homogeneous in nature and usually the output per unit may be fairly cheap per unit if on the other hand we have things where the we do not have homogeneous in nature in terms of the inventory it's going to be different in nature usually ends up being larger costs as well for example construction is a place where we use a job cost system rather than a process cost system oftentimes because all the jobs are going to be the same if we're tiling we do tile jobs and we tile a kitchen in one place and a bathroom in another place it might be that the kitchen is going to be way different with different tiles and a different size than the bathroom in the other place and therefore we cannot just use the process cost system we're going to have to separate these by job and use a job cost system If we produce other things like custom cars or custom boats or something like that, then once again, these are going to be different in nature. We're going to have to apply them out by job rather than just by process. So many things that are going to be kind of customized are going to be in this in this area. Also note that the job cost system will be in some service companies as well. Not as complicated a process, but still a job cost system. For example, if we're an accounting department and we're accountants, in terms of public accounting or lawyers a law firm then we're gonna to have to track by basically job we're gonna count basically the time and any other expenses per client per job and we can basically put that into a job cost system in a similar process we will now work through a job cost system and kind of visualize the process as we go we're gonna list the accounts we're gonna list all the accounts in the trial balance again I want to visualize the entire trial balance and see how it relates to other accounts and then we'll be adding the new accounts in there we'll take a look at just the general ledger accounts for those accounts that are new the accounts related to inventory in this case and we'll take a look at the new thing which is going to be the job cost record how how are we going to implement this job cost record what does it mean to be a job cost system means we're going to track the inventory by jobs through the process of the raw materials being converted to the inventory and then ultimately sold so let's imagine our T account here. We've got our trial balance. We're going to imagine our T account. We've got the big red T and we're just going to go through the list of accounts in terms of debits and credits and then we'll concentrate on the new accounts being the inventory. First account as always is cash. Cash is an asset. I'm imagining the assets to be green on the left hand side of the big red T on the trial balance. Second trial balance account is going to be accounts receivable our typical account. It's going to be imagined to be green left hand side debit balance assets on the T account. And then we got raw materials inventory. This is a new account. This is our inventory account related to inventory specifically related to the raw materials. So for example, if we're making guitars, the raw materials might be the wood. We can imagine the wood stacked up in the corner not being made into any guitars yet, but just being there ready to be made into guitars. That's going to be an asset. It's inventory asset and it's going to be on the left-hand side of the T account like the other assets. Next new account, it's going to be work in process, often terms the WIP, W-I-P. That's going to be the inventory that we took that wood that's gathered in the corner of the raw materials and we started working on it. So it kind of looks like a guitar, but it's not complete. So it's not a guitar at the end of the process. So it's work in process at that point. We're going to have to track the inventory through that process. And that's also going to be an asset because it's an inventory account for the most part. And therefore it's a debit balance green account, left hand side of the big red T on the trial balance. And then we have the finished goods inventory which is kind of a new account but it's similar to a merchandising company where the goods have been finished now and are ready to be sold. So it's gone through work in process. These are when we imagine the guitars and they're done. They're like complete ready to be sold just like if we bought them and then just sold them. They're the guitars that are ready to go out. And then we've got the factory overhead. I'm going to put the factory overhead up in the assets as well because it's basically an asset meaning it's really just a holding account. It's going to be a holding account for all those other things that we couldn't put directly into work in process and we had to put them into this holding account so that then we can apply them to the jobs and we'll talk more about that as we go but it's going to include things like the salary for the supervisor salary depreciation on the factory anything that says factory in it utilities on the factory maintenance of the factory that's all going to be stuff that we need to include in factory overhead and then apply to job in one way or another. So those are going to be our new inventory accounts and then we got the, the old accounts we've had we've seen before factory equipment in this case it's factory equipment but this is the property plant and equipment just property plant and equipment of an asset a long term asset it's also an asset it has a debit balance It's going to be a green account left hand side of the T account then we have the related accumulated depreciation to that factory equipment it's going to be what is called the contra asset account. So it's an asset with a credit balance related to the equipment. So if you imagine our big red T, still a green account asset, but it has it's on the right hand side. It's gonna be a credit. Then we've got we've done all the assets. We have a few new ones here because we're we're dealing with the inventory. And then we have the liabilities. We're just gonna have one liability just to imagine the liabilities, which is gonna be accounts payable. It's gonna be the yellow account, it's gonna be a credit balance on the right hand side, and then we're gonna have the equity section. I'm just going to imagine one account just to have the equity that's going to be retained earnings. Imagining the, return, the earnings being retained, and that's kind of like the capital account for the sole proprietor. It's going to be bright blue. I'm imagining it on the big red T. It's going to be on the right-hand side, and because it's going to be a credit balance. And then we've got the income statement after the, that section. It's going to be sales, which is income. I'm imagining those navy blue because it's part of the capital account, but it's broken out separately on the trial balance. Sales or in- inventory? I mean sales. Or income or revenue is gonna have a credit balance on the right hand side and then we have all our expenses of course starting off with cost of goods sold our main expense and it's gonna be I'm imagining that navy blue as well because it's part of the income statement and it's gonna have a debit balance all other expenses utilities expense salaries expense will have debit balances as well so those are gonna be our T account we're focusing in on those inventory accounts those being the new accounts we're gonna have a general ledger and we're gonna go through the general ledger accounts remember the general ledger shows the activity for every account. We're only going to be concentrated on the general ledger accounts for the inventory accounts. Those being raw materials inventory, work and process inventory, finished goods inventory, and the factory overhead <laughs> finished inventory. Now remember what those accounts do. They track everything by date. So that within those accounts we're going to say this is the raw materials that happened by date. And this is the work and process that happened by date. Then we're going to have a new Thing here, which is going to be a job cost record. So we got a new journal, which is going to be a job cost record. It's going to be similar to what we've seen as a subsidiary ledger for things like accounts receivable and accounts payable. Meaning, for example, if we had an accounts receivable 180,000 in it, then we can look at the general ledger and see how that happened by date. But the owner is going to want to know more than that. They're going to want to know who owes us money. (laughs) So we need a subsidiary ledger that's broken out by customer in this case, saying uh who owes us money so we can call them up so that's going to be the backup we have another backup other than the normal backup of the account on the trial balance which is the general ledger we had the subsidiary ledger as a as a duplicate backup there giving us more detail in a way we want to see same things do with this work and process account remember when we think about inventory in terms of uh, processing it all inventory is going to include the direct material like the wood for the guitar But it's going to include direct labor and overhead. The things, those are the conversion costs. And we have to keep that in mind. When we go to the store, we often may not really imagine that process. And some companies may not put that whole process in there in one company. It might take different companies throughout the value chain to put all of that value into the finished goods. But uh, when we think about any inventory, we're going to have those, those things are going to be included in it. When we think about a manufacturing company, those things are going to be included within the manufacturing process within that company. So within this manufacturing company, within the work in process, we're going to add the raw materials, the wood for the guitar. We're going to add the direct labor and we're going to add the overhead, which is all this other stuff that's going to be in here. Like the depreciation on the, anything that says factory, the utilities on the factory, the supervisor salary within the factory. That's going to be included in work in process by date. That's a lot of stuff to be in there by date. We jumbled it all up by all the jobs are in there by date. And all these different categories are all going to be in there with lump journal entries. We'll see that as we go. But we're going to want to see that in a, a more broken out format. That being by job. So we're going to assign each job. We're going to get a request for a job. We're going to set up a new job number. when When we have this, if we're making custom guitars, we're going to get the new custom guitar job. We're going to set up that job number. And then we're going to track this information by job. So we'll have the job numbers. And then within each job, we'll have the direct materials for that job. We'll have the direct labor for that job. We'll have the factory overhead for that job. It will then add up to the total. And then if we add up all the jobs, then the total of all the jobs on the job cost record must equal that are open, open jobs that, that are not complete. That must equal what's on the work and process account. And the work in process, the work in process general ledger account and the work in process general ledger account will tie out to the trial balance in a similar way that the accounts receivable was tied out to the subsidiary ledger. When we think about the job cost record, most people see like the type of thing we're going to put together for a job cost record and they think of like a bid for like a construction job oftentimes because it looks kind of like a bid for a job or the actual bill for a construction job. And that's because most bids and bills meaning if I'm bidding a job before we start the job or if we're sending out the bill after the job has been completed usually we're gonna structure that in a similar way as the cost record meaning we're gonna say hey this is what it costs for materials, this is what it costs for labor, this is what it costs for overhead and then we're gonna tack on to that what it costs for us you know what it costs for us to do the work so we're gonna say plus a 30 percent markup or something like that for the time or whatever the markup is and that'll be a similar process so Note that there's a difference here. We're doing the job cost records. Those cost records often being similar or used for the actual billing or bidding process as well. All right, so let's go through this process. We're just going to go through some journal entries, see what it looks like here as we go through. So first one, we're going to say through the process. First thing to do is we're going to purchase raw materials. So I'm going to say for 400000 hundred thousand. We're purchasing on account in this case. I'm assuming we're going to make guitars, custom guitars in this case. So 400000 raw materials we're going to say is cash affected it's going to be a journal entry no we, we purchased it on account therefore normally i would think about what we got we got raw materials raw materials is going to be an asset if we looked at our at our uh, trial balance it would be up in the asset section in the green area and therefore it has a debit balance and we need to make it go up because we bought more of it so we're going to do the same thing to it which in this case is another debit and then we're going to credit since we didn't pay cash we're going to credit uh, accounts payable in this case So accounts payable is a liability account, has a credit balance. We're going to make it go up by doing the same thing to it. So this is going to be our standard journal entry. We purchased something in this case, uh, raw materials and we debited the raw materials asset and we credited the payable. If we looked at our general ledger account, then the raw materials account is going to go up, of course, by the 400,000. So it went in our case. I had zero. I mean, we had uh, 150,000 we started with. We debited the raw material four hundred thousand, making it go up to five hundred and fifty thousand. When we think about our job cost record, the new thing, there's no change to that because uh, there's not been any increase to the work in process. So when it goes into the raw materials, we haven't applied it to the jobs yet. And once we do apply it to the jobs, that's when it's going to the job cost record. Now, before we actually apply anything new to the job cost records, we're starting off with three jobs that are currently open. So we got job fourteen. It's going to be open. It currently, before we start with our with our journal entries here, has fourteen thousand of materials in it. It's got eighteen thousand of labor in it. It's got overhead of nine thousand, and that means it's got total for that job of forty-one thousand. And then we got job uh, sixteen hasn't uh, incurred any costs yet. And then we've got the job fifteen, which has eighteen thousand materials, uh, labor of sixteen thousand, and overhead eight thousand for a total of forty-two thousand. 42,000 for job 15 and the 41,000 for job 14 add up to 83,000 that's what's currently in the work in process general ledger account that's what's currently in our work in problem in problems process trial balance account and that's where we're starting at this point next thing that's going to happen we're going to say direct materials transferred from raw materials for job 14 job 15 and job 16 so we requested Direct materials a re- requisition went out and said, hey all that wood in the corner of the warehouse over there we need some of that wood because we got to apply them to these particular jobs job fourteen one hundred thousand job fifteen one hundred and seventy thousand job sixteen eighty thousand we need to apply that wood to the job if we add those up then it's going to be three hundred and fifty thousand now if we just think about the journal entry we're going to say we're going to put that all on the one journal entry why because What's going to happen here is we know it's going to leave raw materials. It's ta- we're taking it out of that pile of wood in the corner and putting it into the processing department. Therefore, the raw materials, which is an asset, has a debit balance, needs to go down. We're going to do the opposite thing to it. We're going to credit the raw materials. Then we're going to debit something. What's that debit going to be to? Well, it's going out of raw materials and it's going into work in process. So We're taking it from one department, just moving it to the other department. Still in inventory, no net change to inventories, just leaving one inventory area, going into the other inventory area. If we looked at our general ledger then, we would be saying that the raw materials had, in this case, 550000 in it. It's being credited, going down by 350000 to the 200000 Work in process had that 83000 in it, which remember was all those things, the three jobs put together, and it includes the direct materials, the direct labor, and the overhead. And now we put in 350,000 related to, in this case, the more direct materials, bring the balance up to 433,000. Now, anytime we post something to the work in process account, we will then have to back that number up with the job cost record. So in this case, we just put that lump sum number for job 14, 15, and 16 related to the materials that are going to be allocated all in one lump sum in the journal entry to the work in process account. We need to break that out by job, and then by area within the job, meaning materials, labor, and overhead. So in this case, we're going to take that 350 and back it up by saying job 14 got 100,000, bringing the total of direct materials to uh, 114,000, bringing the total for the job: direct materials, direct labor, and overhead being 114, 18,000, and 9, to 141,000. Job 15 then was allocated in this journal entry 170,000 therefore it had 18,000 direct materials we put 170 in it now it's got 188 plus the direct labor 16,000 and the overhead 8,000 brings it up to 212,000 for that job so far job 16 we were allocated from this journal entry of the 350,000 80,000 to it bringing the balance in materials to 80,000 bringing the total to 80,000 so if we add up those three jobs now the three jobs that are currently open We've got 141,000 in job 14. We've got 212,000 in job 15 and 80,000 in job 16, adding up, of course, to what is currently in work working process of the 433,000 in the general ledger as well as on the trial balance. So that's how the job cost record always has to be. It's got to back up that number that's on the general ledger must tie out. Next thing that happens, we're going to say direct labor job fourteen, fifteen, 15 and 16. now when we think about direct labor it can be confusing because once when we first started direct labor when we start thinking about wages which is basically what this is we're, we're processing payroll here people start to memorize that w- the journal entry for wages is just going to be a debit to wages expense and a credit to uh, cash the most simple fo- not taking into account uh, payroll taxes and whatnot and that is typically the case and we got to unlearn some of that stuff though because really the reason that is is because the expense in that case, the wages were spent in terms of a service company to help generate revenue. In this case, the wages were spent in order to help generate an asset, inventory. So we're not expensing it according to the matching principle. We're putting it into the asset, that asset being inventory. So we're still kind of processing payroll. We're still crediting cash. I'm mean, gonna imagine the simplified journal entry, we're crediting cash, paying out payroll for job 14, 15, and 16, paying out for payroll. 30,000 for job 14 68,000 for job 15 120,000 for job 16 for a total of 218 therefore the journal entry i'm just going to say we're crediting cash i'm just going to make it a lump sum it's cash is going out for 218 then we're going to debit something for 218 and we're not going to debit what we would have in a, in a service company which would be wages expense or payroll expense we are going to debit instead the asset account the inventory account more specifically of Work in process. So we're debiting work in process for two hundred eighteen thousand, and we're crediting cash. What's that going to do to work in process? Remember where we were before. We had eighty three thousand starting. We had one hundred fifty thousand that we put in there for the raw materials balance of four hundred thirty three thousand. Now we're debiting the work in process two hundred eighteen thousand for the labor we're putting into it, all in one lump sum. Not breaking it out by job within. The general ledger bringing the balance up to 651,000. Then remember that anytime that we, uh, put something into the work and process account, we're going to have to back that up in the job cost record, the job cost record being broken out by job. So of that 218,000, job 14, 15, and 16 were affected. Job 14, remember, we're going to say then had 30,000 allocated to it of the 218. So it had before 18,000 we put 30,000 more in it we're at 48,000 we had materials of 14,000 plus the 100,000 of 114 and we have overhead of 9,000 so now that job's at 171,000. In terms of job 15 we put 68,000 of the direct labor from the total that was 218,000 into it so that we started off with 16,000 labor plus the 68,000 bringing us to 84,000. Plus the direct materials of 188,000 and 8,000 for overhead brings us to the total of 280,000. And then in job 15 we applied 120,000 of labor, and that's the only thing we had in there in labor. So we had 120,000 total now, and we have 80,000 in direct materials, nothing for overhead so far, bringing the total to 200,000. If we add up the three jobs, then for the totals for everything in it for materials, labor, and overhead for the three jobs job 14 has 171,000 in it, job 15 has 280,000 in it, and job 16 has 200,000 in it, adding up to a total of 651,000, that being the same as it must be as what's on the work in process in the general ledger, what's in the work in process as of the trial balance. So remember that job cost record just breaking it out by job, allocating the stuff out by job in a similar way that the subsidiary ledger would for accounts receivable breaking out by customer in that case. All right next thing applied overhead based on predetermined overhead rate 50%. Now we're not going to get into how we're going to calculate the predetermined overhead rate at this time. Just note that we are going to have to allocate the predetermined overhead rate in some way. Meaning what we're doing with overhead is that we're putting everything into overhead. We're going to compile all the stuff in overhead that we couldn't apply directly to the job. For example if we had the utilities on the factory, we know that the utilities needs to go into a particular job, but we don't know which job to put it into. And if we think through that, you might say, "Well, there's only three jobs. Why don't we just take the utility bill and divide it by three, and then we can put it in like that?" But note that the jobs aren't the same, and you can see this with that construction job example. We could have a very large construction job and a small construction job. So if we were to apply the inventory just evenly. The small job would get way too much inventory, you would think. And the large job would get too little. So what we need to do is have some kind of way so that the larger job, you would think, should get more of this stuff that we're just applying out. And the smaller job should get less. And if you think about, well, how would we do that? We might use some kind of ratio analysis with a cost driver. So we might say, how about the job that uses more tile within one job than the other? Maybe that's the thing that should be the thing that drives how much of the overhead should be put into one area or the other. We may have more than one cost driver. We might get more complicated and say, well, this type of overhead should be put in based on this cost driver. But uh, a more simplified method is to have one cost driver. And uh, oftentimes we're going to use direct labor. And so the thing that's confusing about this is that when we use direct labor to apply overhead, it has nothing to do with payroll. All we're saying is that the job that has more direct labor in it should have more overhead applied to it so we determined this predetermined rate based on direct labor in order to apply the overhead more overhead to the job now in this case we haven't yet actually recorded the overhead and we're applying it to the job as the job happens so we're actually applying the overhead out before there's over any overhead in there And, and that could possibly happen. And so, just be aware that the overhead is could be a debit or credit balance. It could be over or under applied. So, if we do this transaction, then we got to figure out uh, what's going to be the debits and credits. We're going to say that the work in process, in this case, is going to go up by all this other stuff by the overhead. And that overhead, once again, anything that says factory on it in a test in a you know question is usually going to be overhead. So it's going to be the factory depreciation, the factory utilities. The factory payroll for the supervisors that aren't directly related to the jobs. All those things that aren't directly related to the job that say basically factory in it are going to be those types of things. So we're going to debit the work in process and we're going to credit, in this case, factory overhead. Now the factory overhead, I put it up in the asset account member. That's the stuff that we're going to allocate to factory overhead and then take it out. We haven't allocated anything in there yet. in a bit and note that that it could be possible again to be over and under applied in the factory overhead so the factory overhead once we put stuff in there we'll have a debit balance just like all of the other inventory areas and now we're going to decrease it with a credit so if we thought about the journal entry then we had work in process we started off with the general ledger we have the eighty-three thousand where we started we put 350 350,000 in it for the raw material then we put 218 for the direct labor, now we're putting one hundred nine thousand in it for the overhead. How are we calculating that one hundred nine thousand? Well, we're taking the 218, 218 that was for the wages, total wages we did last time, and we're multiplying that times 50 percent, because that was the predetermined uh, overhead rate. And again, well, we won't get involved in terms of how we calculate the predetermined overhead rate now, but just note that again, it has nothing to do. With the actual salary that's what we're going to use to estimate how much should be applied out now of course we applied it out with one lump sum number here but we're going to use that same calculation when we apply it out per job so in the factory overhead we currently don't have anything in there and we actually credited it making factory overhead a negative balance so we have a negative balance in overhead and then once we apply everything else out to it meaning we have a credit balance overhead is an asset account usually has a debit balance once we apply out all the overhead, we'll see if it has a debit or credit balance. Again, it could be over or under applied by the end of the process. Now, we've done something to the work in process account again. Therefore, we're going to have to back that up with the job cost record. So, we put 109 lump sum into the work in process for the journal entry, journalizing the uh, factory overhead, taking it out of the factory overhead, putting it into work in process. So, job 14, how are we going to calculate that? Well, remember we had. Of the labor, of the 218,000 labor we put into the labor last time, we put 30,000 into job 14. We're going to use our predetermined overhead rate of 50%. Say 30,000 times 50% means that we have the overhead of 15,000 in job 14. So if we added all that up, we had overhead before of 9,000 plus the 15,000. We had 24,000 plus the uh, direct materials of 114 plus the labor of 48,000. Job 14 then has 186,000 in it. And then job 15, we're going to do the same thing. We had 68,000 in direct labor last time of the total journal entry of 218. Therefore, we're going to take that times 50%, which is 34,000. We're going to apply 34,000 overhead to job uh, 15. So we had before in overhead 8,000 in job 15 plus 34,000. 42,000 is what we now have in job 15 for overhead we ought, we have going to add that to the 84,000 labor and the 180,000 188,000 materials brings us to a total job of 314,000 in job 15. We're going to do the same thing for job 16. So we had 120,000 in labor for job 16 of the 218 that we applied out multiplying times 50%. We got 60,000 in overhead. So that's the only thing we have in this particular job for overhead because we started at zeros. And so it's going to go up to 60,000 plus the, the labor 240,000 the, and the materials of 80,000 means this job has 260,000 in it. So again, if we add up all the jobs, job 14 has a 186,000 plus job 15 has 314,000 plus job 16 has 260,000 adds up to 760,000 within with those three jobs. That of course ties out to the work in process account for the general ledger 760,000, which also ties out to the trial balance, which has the 760000 in it. Next thing that's going to happen, we're going to, we're going to put the indirect labor paid and assigned to the factory overhead. So indirect labor. What is indirect labor? So that could be something, again, we're processing payroll, which is that confusing thing you would think that it would be like payroll expense and credit cash, but we're processing payroll for inventory. So it's some way related to inventory. However, we couldn't apply it directly to a job. So this would be something like the supervisor. If there's a supervisor in the warehouse that kind of just walks around and makes sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. Well, they're working on all the jobs then. And we would assume that they're going to be working on jobs in proportion to how large they are. And that's why we're going to use the predetermined overhead rate. But we don't know which job to apply their labor to because they're working on all these different jobs. That would be a, a cost that we would have to put into, of course, factory overhead. It could be the maintenance in the, in the factory as well. So the maintenance is the entire factory. We want to apply that to our job because it's on the factory where we make inventory, but we don't know which job to put it into. So what are we going to do? In this case, we're increasing the factory overhead. It's going to be an asset account. This time we're putting it into the bucket. We already applied it out of the bucket or some, part of it out last time. Now we're putting it in there. We're going to debit the asset account, factory overhead, and it's going to be for 14000 In this case, we're going to credit cash Assuming we paid cash kind of through the payroll process. So instead of debiting wages expense, we debit factory overhead. And it's the payroll process. We're crediting cash, in this case, simplifying the journal entry. We're not talking about payroll taxes and that type of thing. So if we look at our general ledger accounts, remember the uh, factory overhead had a credit balance in it because we already applied it out to the jobs using our estimate. And now we're debiting it 14,000. So it had 109,000 credit plus the 14,000 debit. It's still kind of a negative asset right now of ninety-five thousand, I meaning it's been over applied at this point because of course we haven't put everything into it yet. And so we have ninety-five thousand in there. Now is there any effect on the job cost record? In this case, no. What why not? Because what we're doing is we're putting it into the factory overhead specifically because we couldn't apply it to the job. And and when we apply it to the job we'll do what we did last time, basically apply it based on the labor That is applied to the job so when the labor happens that's when we'll apply out the factory overhead until that point we're just going to put it in the factory overhead because i don't we don't know which job is going to is going to be applied out so the job cost sheet stays the same the job cost record is backing up the uh work in process nothing has happened to work in process at this point next thing that's going to happen we're going to say indirect materials same type of thing we're going to go through all the kind of stuff now that goes into the factory overhead so indirect material. So that might, if we're talking about guitars, it might be like glue or like screws or something like that, or the little little plug peg things that go in there. They may be too small for us to really want to track. Might not be worth our time to track those things to the specific guitar, even though we might we might be able to, but we might not want to. Therefore, we're just going to put it into the factory overhead. We're going to say factory overhead once again, which that's our dumping ground. It's an asset account. We're basically making it go up until we apply it out, until we clear it out. And we'll make it go up by the 30000 30, in this case. And then we're going to credit raw, uh, raw materials. Now, we're just gonna, I'm just going to put everything into raw materials. like the, in, in our example here, which is including the wood that's in the corner that we're going to apply to direct materials and the indirect materials. But it's possible that some problems will break out raw materials that are direct, like wood that's going to be directly applied to the job. And raw materials that will be indirect. They might put that in a separate raw materials account. Uh, that would be the small things that we couldn't apply to the job. We're just going to requisition them out. Uh, and, and they might not be applied to a specific job. Okay, so in terms of the factory overhead. Once again, we're debiting the 30000 So last time we were at 95000 credit overapplied. We're debiting 30000 And that brings the credit balance, the overapplied balance down to 65000 at that point. Next thing, another piece of overhead is going to be the factory utilities. So the utilities on the factory. Utilities is another one that if you think about utilities, and if you've done the recording of utilities for the service company enough times, you've probably just memorized the journal entry to be debit to cash and credit to—I mean, sorry—debit to utilities expense and credit to cash. And that expense, we we think of utilities and think that's an expense just because we we've recorded it so many times. But note that it's an expense because we use the utility in order to help us generate revenue in the service business. If we're talking about a manufacturing business on the factory anything that says on the factory means we use that utility not to generate revenue in this time period we use the utility in order to make the inventory in this time period so we are going to put it into the factory overhead ultimately into the inventory ultimately being expense but in the form of cost of goods sold at the point the inventory is then sold we will debit factory overhead by the amount given for the utility which is twelve thousand, and i'm going to credit in this case cash twelve thousand. Now the thing that's confusing about this journal entry is notice when we usually pay the utility bill it's kind of obvious because we see that the fact that it has uh, utility expense tells to the utility bill. When we when we put these processes into work and process the journal entry itself is difficult to see what it's for. So we might want a note on the journal entry, debit, factory, overhead, credit, cash. We might have a note on the journal entry. Some textbooks will actually pay these things on account on purpose and basically have a, a, a liability account rather than paying cash. They'll say we bought it on account but they don't put it into accounts payable. They put it into utilities payable just to show the fact that it's for the utility bill without having to write a little note under the journal entry that it's for the utility bill. So be aware of that if that happens. What's that going to do to our overhead account? Well we were over applied credit balance of $65,000 last time. Now we're putting a $12,000 debit into it and decreasing the over applied balance from $65,000 to $53,000. Next thing that's going to happen, we're going to say that there's going to be rent on the factory. Once again, it says rent on the factory. So when you when you hear rent, you probably think rent expense, rent expense. We're going to debit rent expense and credit cash. That's what's drilled in our head when we do these journal entries over and over again in terms of a service company. But usually the rent expense is an expense because we use it in order to help us generate revenue in that time period. But the rent on the factory is helping us to generate the asset of inventory. And therefore, we're not gonna expense it at the time the rent is paid. We're gonna put it into the asset of inventory at the time the rent is paid. We don't know which uh, inventory to put it into. We don't know which job to put it into. Therefore, we're gonna dump it into factory overhead. So we're gonna debit factory overhead by the 20,000. We're gonna credit cash by the 20,000. What happens to factory overhead? It was at a credit balance of 53,000. We debited it 20,000, bringing the credit balance down to 33,000. Next thing that happens is we have depreciation on the factory. Once again, if you just, the depreciation expense is one that we've just we've memorized the fact that the journal is going to be debit depreciation expense, credited accumulated depreciation, probably before we even knew exactly what those terms even meant. And in this case, usually that is the case because we use the, the equipment in order to help us generate revenue matching principle. But in this case, it's the equipment on the factory that helps us make inventory therefore instead of debiting depreciation expense once again we're going to debit the factory overhead because it's going to be going into the inventory ultimately we don't know which job so we can't put it into work in process yet we will apply it out or we already have applied it out to the job and we're going to put in factory overhead and then credit the accumulated depreciation so the second half is the same the credit the first half being into factory overhead rather than depreciation expense we were at thirty-three thousand last time We put 30,000 into the factory overhead, bringing that credit balance down to 3,000. So we're still over applied, meaning we applied to the jobs based on our estimates more than the overhead we actually incurred in terms of the indirect materials, the indirect labor, the factory, the factory overhead and utilities, the rent, the depreciation. All those things added up to actually being less than what we applied out to the job using our predetermined rate so now we've got this three thousand that's still in factory overhead that that has been overapplied. it's a credit balance it's, a, it's like a contra asset account it's actually bringing down the inventory assets so we will have to deal with that at a later time to see what are we going to do with that three thousand before we move on to that however we're going to say that we're going to transfer jobs from work in process to finished goods so we're going to say job 14 job 15 we finish those woohoo those are done. Job 14 and 15 are done. So we're going to take them out of work in process because that means that it's in process and they're not in process anymore because we're finished those and we're not processing them anymore. So we need to take them out of the work in process account and put them into the finished goods account. And that's going to be, if, if we look at the trial balance, a fairly basic type of journal entry, we know which accounts are going to be affected. We're going to say, well, finished goods needs to go up because we're going to take it and we're going to put the asset into there. Finished goods and an asset. has a debit balance. We're going to debit it again, making it go up. And it's going to come out of work in process work in process is an asset account and it's going to go down so it's an asset account and we're taking it out of work in process and putting it into the finished goods so that's going to be the debit and the credit how much is it going to be for well then we just look at our job cost record over here and we'd say well if we add up the two jobs finished we add up job 14 which has 186,000, including the materials labor and overhead for that job and we look at job 15 which has uh, 314,000, including materials, labor, and overhead. Those added up together adds up to 500,000. Therefore, the journal entry we're just going to lump those two together. We're going to say we debit finished goods, we credit work in process for that 500. What happens to the work in process? Well, it had a total of the three jobs in it of 750,000, 760,000 in it. We credited it, making it go down to 260,000. What happened to the finished goods? well we had zero in it before we didn't have any finished goods and we debited it 500,000 bringing the total up to 500,000 then we need to back up the work in process we did something to the work in process account we need to back that up on the job record now different types of of methods will do this in a different way i usually i'm going to indicate the fact that the job is either open or it's closed and i'm going to say well now job 14 and job 15 are closed so Those jobs should not be added up when we now look at our open jobs. So now we can look at those same three jobs and we could say okay well the open job is only job 16. It has 260,000 in it. That now ties out to what's in work in process. The jobs that have been finished, the closed jobs now, are job 14 and 15 adding up to 186,000 and 314,000 respectively. That is currently what's in ending are finished goods that's currently in finished goods so the the job cost record still backs up the work in process but we've got to indicate if that job is open or closed so we can then tie it out to the work in process and and basically the finished goods that have been done okay so now we're going to record the sale so we we did all this process notice that this whole process we haven't affected the income statement because we've only been tracking the inventory as it goes through working the raw materials to work in process to finished goods including the process of the overhead that we accumulated that we applied out using our predetermined overhead rate. Now what we want to do is record an actual sale. So we're going to say that we sold job 14. So we're going to sell job 14. Now I'm going to give a sales price to it. Note that everything we've been tracking here is not the sales price. We may use the job cost records for job 14. So if we looked at job 14 we'd say hmm, we've got materials of 114,000 we've got labor of 48,000 we've got overhead of 24,000 for a total of 186,000 we're not going to sell it for 186,000 we're going to mark it up in some way we might actually calculate that markup but many problems will just give give that number and it'll be some type of calculation to determine what that markup will be important thing for us to note however is that when everything we've been tracking now has been the cost the cost isn't the sales price the sales price might be based on the cost in some way that we have then calculated but just just recall that it, after all this work that we've done with the cost sometimes we kind of confuse that with the sales price and they're going to they're going to be different so we're now we're recording that journal entry that we would be very similar to the recording of the journal entry we would do if we just sold like in a merchandising company which means we're going to sell i'm going to record two journal entries one related to the sales half and one related to the inventory so if we sold it for we would say that we're going to get cash. I'm going to pretend we get cash for this at this point in time instead of on account. And cash is debit balance, we're going to make it go up by three hundred eighty thousand. So we're going to debit cash three hundred eighty, and we're going to credit sales by three hundred eighty. Note that this part of the journal entry is the same as any type of journal entry when we made sales all the way from a service company, except we wouldn't say sales, but it would be some type of revenue account like fees earned or something. And um, it's the same journal entry in terms of that half. And it was just given in the problem because they had to give us the sales price. Where does our worksheet come into play? What does all this work that we did come into play when we actually have the sales transaction? It's on the cost side, of course. So the other side of the transaction is that the inventory is going down. So the finished goods inventory is going down. It has 314 in it. And therefore, it has a debit balance. We need to make it go down by doing the opposite thing to it, which in this case is going to be a credit. So we're going to credit the finished goods. How much are we going to credit for? Well, the job cost record had in job 14, the one we sold, of 186,000. So we're going to credit finished goods for 186,000, bringing it down. And then cost of goods sold is the other side. So we're going to debit cost of goods sold for the cost of that inventory that we then sold. And that's going to be for 186,000 as well. So if we looked at our journal entries then the finished goods had 500,000 in it and now we brought it down by the 186,000 credit to 314,000. Nothing affects on the work and process. Our job cost record we might now indicate that the jobs that were closed and then the jobs that were shipped or completed in some way. So now job 14 is not only closed it was open and then it closed and now it's completed or shipped at this point and therefore that has been transferred to the cost of goods sold and it's no longer with the company anymore and then the job 16 is still open has 216,000 in it still tying out to the work in process and now job 15 is closed and hasn't yet been sold so it was open now it's closed but it's still here it's not sold yet it's so therefore and then it adds up to 314,000 and that's what's in finished goods at this point in time what's the effect of net income remember that sales went up by that 380,000 the sales price that was given up to us and the cost of goods sold went up by 186,000 the cost of the job the difference between the two being the net increase in net income or gross profit same being 194,000 next thing we're going to say all right we've done we've basically t- taken through this whole process and looked through this time period and this process from the raw material purchased to the work in process to the finished goods then we sold one of the finished goods in the job cost system last thing we need to think about is this idea that we still have in the overhead account this $3,000 credit meaning we overapplied. remember what that means it means that we use our predetermined rate to overapply to apply the overhead based on the labor with the assumption that the labor will help us determine which jobs are bigger or smaller. Because we came out with that rate in a predetermined way. It was just an estimate. So we are going to have either an over estimate or an underestimate. At the end of the time period in factory overhead. In this case we over applied the factory overhead. Meaning our, our, we applied more. Our estimate determined that we applied out more. Than we actually put into factory overhead. So the actual stuff we put in there. The depreciation on the factory, the utilities on the factory, added up to less than what we applied out to each individual job using the predetermined overhead rate. So what are we going to do with that 3,000? We need to get it out of there. Why? Because we want to make a new estimate for next time period, and we don't want to have that in there messing us up. Now, if that amount is small, what we're going to do is we're going to say that it's in material, basically, and we're just going to wipe it out of there and just make it zero so we can go forward and just plug the other side in to, in this case, cost of goods sold. If, on the other hand, it's large, then we might have to go back in there and determine uh, where, it should, where it should be applied out. So, we're going to assume in this case, of course, 3,000 is in material, and therefore we're just going to clear it out, which would be the normal process. So, we, what we're going to do is we're going to say it's a credit right now. We've got to do whatever we need to do in order to make it zero. Therefore, it's a credit. We need to debit it to make it zero. So, we're going to say the journal entry to clear it out is going to be a factory overhead needs to be debited by 3,000 and then we're going to credit something and what can we credit just to get rid of this number and it's going to go into cost of goods sold now there's a couple reasons why we're going to credit cost of goods sold one well first of all you might be saying that's weird why why credit we... cost of goods sold as an expense and expenses only go up in the debit direction and we're crediting cost of goods sold that contradicts you know one of the rules that we've been kind of saying as we go here and this of course is the exception to the rule so expenses usually only go up But now, and this is kind of an exception that we're making it go down. Why? Well, it's an immaterial amount, we're hoping. We're saying that the inventory is related to cost of goods sold. So ultimately, it should clear out or wash out in some way to cost of goods sold. So the estimate, if we're saying the estimate was off, ultimately, it would go to cost of goods sold. We need to put it to an income statement account if we want to get rid of it and not have to deal with it again. Why? Because if we put it to a balance sheet account, that's a permanent account and it'll still be there next time and we don't want it there next time we want to get rid of it so that means if we put it to an income statement account the related account to inventory on the income statement being cost of goods sold that cost of goods sold will then clear out to retained earnings as of the end of the time period and then it'll be in retained earnings and we won't have to deal with it on the income statement next time so it'll kind of wash out in that way so that's why we're going to basically make factory overhead zero by debiting 3000 that'll make factory overhead zero we're going to credit cost of goods sold, making cost of goods sold go down, and and um, actually increasing the net income in that case. Now, note that it could have worked the other way as well. It could be that our estimate was higher. So, if we made our estimate was higher than what we actually uh, applied out, then we had then then we would have underapplied, meaning we would have left we would have been left with a factory overhead amount with a debit amount. And we would just do the opposite journal entry. We would just say, all right, well, we still, if it was a 3,000 debit in factory overhead before the journal entry, we'd say, all right, we need to make it zero. So we're going to credit the factory overhead by the 3,000 and we'll debit cost of goods sold. So we're going to do whatever it takes to get factory overhead zero at the end of the process and put the difference in the cost of goods sold, not worrying about the fact that it may actually make cost of goods sold do the opposite thing that expenses are supposed to do, go in a credit direction rather than the normal uh, debit direction.